Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this episode, we discuss the pluses and minuses of Scrum and Kanban, which is the most appropriate in specific situations, and how they can be used together to achieve the best of both worlds. Hi, Santosh. How are you? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Enjoying the home life. <laughs> <laughs> you have the Hanilu list growing? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> lot, lots of projects. <laughs> yeah, so um, we could write a whole book on how to use Agile at home. That's right. <laughs> I do know people who have Kanban boards at home to keep track of all their projects and keep them prioritized. Yeah, funny you should mention that. I think the other day we were talking about um, when we should use Kanban and when we should use Scrum. That's a, a good segue to talk about that. Let's do it. So um, I know that one one of the things that always comes up in these kinds of discussions, and of course there are people are very passionate about one approach versus another. But one of the sort of fundamental things, I think at least, is uh, that what are the teams most able to cope with? So Scrum, we know, is very disruptive. And whilst it's good because it exposes organizational and dysfunctional types of issues, Nevertheless, it does require a big change in the way that people work when they have to take on new roles and then people feel displaced because they're not sure what their role is. And Kanban is very different. So maybe we can start with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as you uh, mentioned that, yeah, Kanban is basically starting at the other end, whereas, you know, you start with what you have. And then try to improve and get the, you know, look at the process, look at where the bottlenecks are and create the work in progress limits so that you don't create additional bottlenecks and the process, the flow uh, gets smoother and smoother and smoother. And that's where the change slowly uh, gets in. Whereas Scrum, um, there is no (laughs) difference there. You need to start the whole thing completely at a different um, baseline. That means you need to define uh, your backlog in a different way. And the roles are a little different or something from the development team point of view, that's okay. But other like scrum masters, like product owners, they are different than the waterfall model. So there is change in the life of those people. that have to organize this. So it is disruptive, but it is sometimes, the entry to the scrum is not that difficult. Success needs a lot of discipline. Right, exactly. So given that, you would think that most teams would want to just start with um, Kanban and not uh, use scrum. But as we know, there are many factors that make one approach better or worse than the other. So, for example, if uh, work is really unpredictable um, and you you cannot have a plan and stick to it for a couple of weeks, 
then we know that Kanban is a better approach because it's designed to really allow the priorities to change more frequently. Yeah, it's typical example is when we are um, production support. When you know the P0 bugs or P1 bugs that show up, you never know where error or the bug is going to show up in production. And you need to... Things that you are working on could get sidelined very quickly based on the severity of the problem that is showing up in the production. So that's the true flexibility. But it also requires a lot of discipline. You know, you can't just throw the things at, at people to <laughs> run with it. It really needs that you know, pull model because uh, in Kanban, everything is being pulled from right to left. And right to left in the sense from left is where it enters the problem and then right is where it finishes. It might go through different states uh, in between, but those that's where you actually start pulling. And that is very lot of time forgotten by most of the teams that we want to finish first and then take the next one. Instead, it, they start jamming more and more stuff at the <laughs> entry and then everything clogs. So it's a challenge, a different mindset that uh, people have to realize that uh, how things get done. Yeah, to that point, uh, even when you do a daily stand-up, you start from the right-hand side of the board to see what can we do to get something past the finish line. So you're really trying to finish work before you even think about even items that are in flight, let alone bringing in new work. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's where, you know, the swim lanes, the what you call level of service. So swim lanes really come in handy, especially when you're using Kanban, so that you know you're doing things that are already planned. There are, that's one swim lane, then there is one swim lane for... Uh, escalations. Suppose something just get escalated and you have ground rules around that, that you can have one escalation at a time. <laughs> you can't <laughs> throw too many things at it, otherwise our system will not function or when you will not get the outputs you're looking for. So that structure and that discipline to the to managing that is very much required for any team to be able to successfully do the Kanban. That's right. So another factor is um, whether work can be decomposed into uh, pieces that can fit within a, a sprint. So, for example, with um, well, with Scrum, we're really trying to time box things, and sometimes it can be difficult to have a piece of work that is generating value and can be completed within a sprint. Whereas with Kanban, we don't really have that constraint. If something takes some time to do, that's fine. It's just that new work cannot be pulled in until that gets finished. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I think the and you know doesn't make you know the, the Kanban doesn't require that you have to have like a, a time box like uh, Scrum, but. If you even still do uh, Kanban in a um, time box manner, it really shows uh, some of the uh, weaknesses or strengths of the team as to how they are able to handle those uh, criteria or those problems that are coming in in a very methodical way. 
because if you do that, then open-ended Kanban, you need to graduate to that level. If you start with the open-ended Kanban, the probability of success is very low. That's right. And management are usually very skeptical because they want dates and they're not really willing to accept that work will take as long as it will take. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and from that perspective, you know, I think we had talked about this Kanban sandwich once upon a <laughs> way back when. Uh, the Kanban sandwich concept is like the portfolio level is typically at the Kanban level because you're looking at some major initiatives or epics and they go through the Kanban states so that we can have maybe two or three at a time. And once one, at least one of them get finished, then the second one shows or the next one shows up and you can work through that. But when you decompose that into features, they can go through the scrums process. And when the uh, features are built, they go to support or production support. They go into the again Kanban state. So that there are two Kanbans on the top and bottom and thus in the middle is Scrum. That's what uh, is called a Kanban sandwich. Mm -hmm. That's right. So um, another factor that people consider is uh, related to estimation. So of course with Scrum, we try and estimate the work to make sure that it fits in the chosen time box. But with Kanban, it's much more of a implicit thing. We still do it because we try and break the work into equally sized pieces of work that then allow us to apply all the metrics and analyze what's going on and you know just understand the, how the process is working. So we do try and break the work down, but I would say we spend less time doing it in Kanban than we do in Scrum. Yes, and I think uh, those sizing or at least uh, Kanban sizes are required basically on to estimate uh, what capacity the team has. So that uh, are you shoving more things into it that team doesn't have the capacity to do. And that's why we need to break it down to a manageable chunks, not as granular as Scrum, but at least we'll be able to say, okay, I have three units or three measured uh, items in this state being worked, and that is uh, filling up the capacity of the development team. When it moves to the QA, that is a different state and what the strength of QA is, that might only take only two items of that and some of them may be large. So the reason why we need to break it down, uh, not to the granular level as Scrum, but from the capacity point of view, as to are you able to handle that with the given capacity of the team? I think the other important part though is that if the items are equally sized, then we can collect statistics that tell us how long it takes to process each item. So then we can start to get predictability if we know a project has so many activities that need to take place and we know that on average they take two days each, let's say, then we can predict when the project will finish. Yeah, and I think that's where the the cycle time and the lead time concept really come in handy in Kanban, where 
you know the cycle time is when you start working on any uh, uh, any issue or item and when you finish that that's where the uh, cycle time comes in but the lead time is where uh, item enters into the system so suppose the bug got identified that's where it entered the system when it got fixed and rolled out to the production that interval is the uh, lead time and lead time is what uh, most of the consumers are looking for or the end, end user is looking for as to what when it'll get fixed so as you said if we can make it as uniform as possible the sizes then we are comparing apples to apples in the sense that this size this is what is our average cycle time is and this is what is our average lead time is and that's the that's the importance of having equals as close to equal sizes of work in kanva right so i already touched on this but uh, predictability and productivity are the other aspect so um management quite rightly always wants to have predictability and they want to make sure that teams are productive and there's it's really not realistic to expect that uh, product owners or other stakeholders in an organization will just let the team take whatever time it takes to complete a project they need to know in reality when things are going to be delivered so that commitments can be made to other parts of the organization or to customers so in general when predictability is important even though there are ways of doing it in kanban scrum tends to be favored because it's you can really measure things in the number of sprints it's going to take to do some work yeah and i think the the difference again is because scrum is looking at a much larger type of effort where you have like one initiative uh doing the initiative in kanban does not give a i guess comfort <laughs> to the leadership or the consumer as to when they are going to get that whereas in if you do it in scrum's fashion at least you have some sense of what the plan is going to look like maybe you know it, it could go per quarter what they are going to get at the end of the quarter kind of thing but uh, if you try to use kanban all the way it it's like a, a cone of uncertainty the uncertainty really uh, goes really high very quickly in case of uh, kanban situation a kanban environment right right so we also touched on the just generally the culture of the organization and how easy it is for people to adopt a new approach or if um they really will resist changing roles and titles and things of that nature do you have any other thoughts on that particular aspect yeah i think the the culture aspect is is common to both you know because it's a different thinking in the sense that the ownership is still a team ownership the concept applies across the board of agile it doesn't matter what type of uh, whether you're using scrumban scrum or kanban the main difference is that people are trying to finish things and they will work together to get that done instead of giving it to somebody they go in the corner get that done two weeks later or three weeks later and come back with the solution the second part the cultural change is the quick feedback kanban and uh, scrum allows you to get 
feedback all throughout the process and engagement of the customer is a lot more encouraged at every step of the way. So that's another cultural difference. And it, it takes time to for people to adjust to that because they are not used to being asked as to how long it's going to take to get this done or tell me what did you do it yesterday and how, how is this going to happen today? So that is a big, you know, big, uh, I guess, mindset change in everyone's mind as to now having team behind you. So in case you get stuck, there are people in your team able to say, yep, let me help with you or I know how this thing is working. So people feel a lot more uh, safe in that team atmosphere, uh, irrespective of whether it's Kanban or Scrum. Although that's, it's an interesting point because Scrum absolutely encourages a team to work together and to support each other and to do whatever it takes for the team to achieve its uh, sprint goals. And it can be very challenging in Scrum when you have to have architects or UI designers or people who have very specific skills who are in relatively short supply and need to be shared between different teams. That really makes Scrum much more difficult to implement. And Kanban doesn't really require it because there's just a piece of work that needs to be done and it can be farmed out, so to speak, to get it done. So there's less emphasis in Kanban on having really that united team that's really focused on getting the job done as a team. Yeah, and I think uh, some of those roles that you're just talking about, you know, UI, UX, or architectural side of things, or even support side of things, the kind of uh, team configurations if you look at Scrum, is the backlog changes. The team remains the same. And backlog prioritized and things go through the team production machine. Whereas in Kanban, the backlog is very unpredictable. So the skill set that is going to be required to need to be doing things can vary based on what the problem they are solving. But at the same time, it's still the core team or whereas we have to have the base of the team, that configuration usually doesn't change. And if it that also changes, then you have a broken Kanban. So one thing that we always ask the management is that don't disturb the team. Keep the team same, irrespective of whether you are in Kanban or Scrum. Let the work flow to, to the team. Uh, now, how the team handles the work is a little different. And it all depends on when you have number of people or number of skill sets in limited supply. That's where really Kanban comes into real handy because that time you can just focus, get that work done, and that, that resource doesn't have to sit in that team all the time. So, yeah, there is a different utilization model, but uh, I feel that the teamwork or the core team still is a common concept uh, across across agile yeah, yeah. No, no no question about it so um i would like to change tack a little bit and um you know having spoken about the different factors it we made it sound like it's one or the other it's either scrum or kanban but 
as you and I know, in fact, Kanban is a is a set of principles and ways of working that can be combined with other methodologies, including Scrum or even Waterfall. So I would say that there are some very good principles in Kanban, such as limiting work in progress and things of that nature, and understanding how the work is flowing that should be applied even if you're using Scrum. Oh, yeah, exactly. And more and more, I'm seeing that kind of philosophy being applied, you know, any kind of not just using exclusively Scrum or exclusively Kanban. Uh, Scrumban is coming uh, in picture more and more, and especially when you have limited resources. That time, the Scrumban really helps because you can look at how the work is flowing and how to keep the workflow much more consistent, even through the uh, Scrum uh, sprints. So it's uh, interesting. I mean, I've seen interesting ways people have dealt or combined Scrum and Kanban. And there is nothing stopping you from combining those two things, as long as you can have, as we were saying earlier, predictability at a higher rate so that everyone can be very clear or very I guess, un- uh, confident about what they are committing to and they can actually deliver. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Kanban being used in a product development setting, and I know that there are, there are certainly organizations that are doing it and they um, can really do it at scale by forming um, or creating Kanban boards where particular items on the Kanban board are represented by an entirely different, more granular Kanban board that has its own team executing it. So I know it can it can scale, um, but it tends to not be used so much for product development as you indicated earlier. It tends to be used more for support organizations where work is really, really unpredictable. Have you had any experience in using it for a pure product development effort? Yeah, what you said is right in the sense that uh, the product side, two things, they have a uh, kind of commitments that are being making and they are trying to fulfill the with the product backlog. So it is commitment driven or business drivers driven uh, what the business climate is asking for. So they have a lot more steady state and that used to be the case. Now that it is changing and we are seeing that uh, even in this current situation where the uncertainty is growing so much that every month, you know, within from March onwards, we can see the business drivers of the market conditions are completely changing and the companies have to adapt. And the what we have seen is that the product lines that are looking at for a shorter duration of execution or delivery, that's where the Kanban has come into the picture. And because they realize they cannot predict what's going to happen six or eight or even uh, 12 months from now, because things are, how we come out of this, you know, the COVID pandemic, what the business is going to look like nobody can predict at this point so that's what i'm seeing that the businesses and the product side are fine-tuning as to what are the smaller chunks and how we can 
get them through the process, through the system, and get that to the market so that you are not first, it goes into the market much faster, and there is not huge investment required. Even if it, does, it doesn't work or it goes uh, sideways, uh, you have not sunk too much money into it. So that's one thing that I'm seeing, that a lot of companies are rethinking their intake process and how they become nimble to the changing market conditions. Right, right, makes sense. The other thing I've seen is um, situations where the team has been using Scrum to develop a product, but it gets to a point where you're not really adding features, you're just polishing and doing final bug fixing. Of course, I know that we want to make the quality really high as we go along, and we do in most projects. But nevertheless, there is usually some time towards the end where we're not adding features, we're just uh, doing regression testing, fixing bugs. And that's a situation where a lot of teams, I think, go from working in a scrum fashion to a Kanban fashion because you're just taking in bugs, bug reports on a daily basis. You're looking at their priority and just prioritizing and making sure that you deal with the ones that really need to be fixed and don't destabilize the code. Right. So I think what happens in that case is uh, the teams become extension of the support structure. And then a support is run, running through the Kanban, then it just goes upstream to the development team because now their intake and their backlog is coming directly from the production uh, environment, and that's where the feedbacks are coming from. So um, actually, not just the support team is working now, the development and actual um, intake process has changed because you are at the final stages and we are trying to fix the bugs or any of the last minute changes that fine tuning that is required. So yeah, it's a different dynamic situation at the different phases of the product cycle. Um, that, that definitely changes. But what we, are, you know, what we always ask the teams to say is that now that product or that your product has stabilized, let's go back to what, where we started from. So let's not keep ourselves into the same mode of any new projects or any new initiatives or features coming in, because that's that will uh, be detrimental to actual product being delivered into the into the um, production environment. Right, and in fact, most teams at that point should be already working on new features for the next release, as well as leaving enough time to be able to deal with uh, field issues exactly so so and, again and again you're sort of mixing the two things where you want the predictability of scrum and make sure that there are commitments for each sprint but in this case you're just adjusting the assumed capacity of the team to allow for the uh, the issues that are coming from the field again yeah and i think that's where the swim lane concept comes in really handy in the sense that as you go to the different phases of the product cycle, you can expand or contract the size of the swim lane. So as you were saying earlier, you know, when you are at the finish line, the swim lane for uh, the production support or bug fixes is bigger 
and the swim length for the net new features is smaller. And just that that the capacity is the same, just that the distribution of your capacity changes. And then once you go into the steady state of uh, next uh, feature or next uh, initiative, the swim length sizes change and you go back to the steady state again. So it's a it's, it's very uh, interesting model to see how we utilize the capacity and manage the capacity so that we can deliver the product, uh, which is the quality is satisfactory and uh, much better than the previous one. And at the same time, you are servicing new uh, features also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I just have one final question for you. Uh, which is, um, does one approach tend to lead to higher productivity than the other? I have my own opinion, but I'm curious <laughs> to It's a trick question. <laughs> I know, it's a trick question. <laughs> no, I, I'll always look at it this way. Uh, productivity or effectiveness or whatever we want to measure, it's all about what we promised and what we delivered. If that's where that's where the true predict predictability and uh, you know, the advantage comes in. So, if you are at a different state of your process, if you say that this is what we are going to deliver, and you know uh, you are able to deliver in that time frame, uh, you are that's what it should be measured. It irrespective of whether it was uh, done through uh, Kanban, Scrumban, or Scrum. So then it actually, from any user point of view or business point of view, they really don't care what process you use. They are looking at it, am I getting what I'm looking for in the reasonable or at least what was promised and I'm getting that or not. Mm -hmm. Now, your opinion. Well, um, I tend to be data-driven and I was in an organization where we had... Um, about 20 teams that were using Kanban and about 20 that were using Scrum. And the tools that we used actually allowed us to really see the productivity just because of features built in. And we, we use those tools religiously. So every piece of work had to be there. So, so anyway, the, um, so we had, uh, 20 teams using Kanban, we had uh, about 20 using uh, Scrum, and our tooling allowed us to really understand what was going on and how quickly tickets were flowing through the system and so on. And to my surprise, actually, we found that more was being done by the Kanban teams. Oh, wow. Even, even though... Um, at first sight, you think about the typical scrum team and how they are kind of scrambling towards the end of a sprint to try and meet the commitments. And you always feel that people are under more pressure and so on. But in fact, what we found in this, at least in this organization, the Kanban teams were generally more productive. And I think it might be because with Kanban, it's somewhat easier to achieve high quality and less rework 
because people feel like they can't take the time to to really solve a problem and not hack it towards the end of a sprint just to be able to say that they got it done and if there is less rework then obviously that's that's very beneficial to overall productivity so that could be one reason there may be others but uh, yeah that's that's what we found mm interesting uh, i i think the other aspect of uh, scrum versus kanban is that uh, scrum takes a little longer to get that cultural change uh, to establish uh, kanban as it starts at the other end of the process and start with what you have and then improve cultural change and the whole uh, process itself is uh, it's very non disruptive and that's why it gets uh, starts getting results a lot sooner uh, scrum is a very highly disciplined manner and it takes a while for team to really do good scrum and because it, you know people think oh i'm doing daily stand up we are doing uh, you know retrospectives and everything else but uh, that may not be agile agility it may be just the motion you are going through those are the things that um, make scrum going up up like learning curve is a little steep but once it gets into steady state i've seen that the scrum teams are able to be more nimble and flexible a lot faster and once they get a steady state also whole team is working at it so it becomes a unit and there that's where the most effective teams come back so it takes maturity it takes time to teams to mature in scrum as you say once the team is really formed and performing it's it's a sight to behold there's no doubt yeah um but also what you said about the time it takes to really uh use scrum properly it's also true with kanban it takes a long time it's easier to get started but then a lot of teams more or less stop once they have everything on a board and they limiting work in progress but they're not really looking at how the work is flowing and making real improvements and changing their process and all those aspects are that that's what kanban really involves but a lot of teams don't get there which is still better than hacking their way through whatever work they have to do right I mean, just having the visibility is good limiting the work in progress is obviously phenomenal but they're still just repeating the same things and not truly improving yeah well and yeah they, they may be just emotions <laughs> Yeah Correct. so so yeah in, in both the cases the value prop of every step it needs to be understood and that will change the culture that will change the mindset great place to end the conversation <laughs> i think so now this yeah there is so much to talk about kanban and <laughs> but it's it's a great uh, the both of them are great frameworks to work with indeed very good so thanks to uh, to you santosh and thanks to our listeners for keeping us motivated to uh, record these podcasts and yes, uh, uh, we are excited to get the momentum going again because we, we i think we had had uh, changing environments everything else so i think we are back into a mix of things i think we'll be having a lot more steady state of uh, sessions coming through
Very good. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.